Well, it is uh, so good to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman. I want to say welcome. We consider it a pure honor that you would spend your Sunday morning with us. If it's your first time with us or your first time in a long time, we want to say thank you for spending your Sunday with us. And I'm not the only one who's grateful you're here. Church, can you help me welcome every person here for the first time? So we're pumped you're here, and for those of you who are tuning in online with us as well, we're, we're grateful that you're a part of it. We are uh, in week number five. We're wrapping up a series called Run With It. We've been talking about vision throughout the course of this entire series, and we kicked it off really talking about prayer and fasting, and then we went through each of the four components of our vision. We're going to end on that today, but the theme verse for this passage, for this uh, series has been this, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. It says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision. And make it plain on tablets so that he who reads it may run with it. We believe that God wants to give you a vision for your life that you can run with, that you can do something with. And so we have these four statements here at Propel Church that really make sure we are experiencing all that God has for us. And they go like this. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you can do those four things, we believe you're going to experience really all that God has for you. Because before Jesus leaves the earth, he looks at the disciples and he says, you can do greater things now that I go to be with God. And the reason is there were people who knew him, who were finding freedom, who were figuring out how God uniquely wired them and designed them. And they did something with their life that made a difference. And I believe inside of every single one of us is this desire to do something with our lives. You know, on a tombstone, there are two dates, the date you were born and the date you were died. But in between those, there's this dash. And this dash represents the duration of your life that you've lived. And I heard a, a speaker one time ask, what will you do with your dash? Like, what will you do with that time in between your birth and your death? What will you do in your life that really makes a difference? And not just affects something temporarily, but really brings lasting change and leaves this world better than we found it. And so we believe that all of us were made to do that. I believe that you will never find satisfaction making a dollar when you were made to make a difference. And so, and so I want to talk to you today about making a difference. And first and foremost, we believe that we make a difference when we serve Christ and his church. So the body of Christ is the local church. We think that that's so incredibly important. So I'm going to talk to you about serving today. One of the things I'm going to talk about is serving in the church. But before we do that, I just want you to know, maybe you're new around here. I, I make two promises to people. I don't teach on money when we need money, and I don't teach on serving when we need people to serve. I, I don't need you to serve. Like, honestly, our teams are doing fine. They're growing. They're expanding. I don't need you to serve. You need to serve. Because there's some things that you're missing in your walk with Christ when you don't serve. And so, so I, I want to just kind of lay the foundation because you're like, pal, pastor needs me to serve. I don't need you. You need this. <laughs> I believe it's going to be a great benefit to you. We believe that we make a difference when we serve Christ and his church. And for some of us, we feel like serving is not really for us. And, and maybe we don't even feel called to serve people. But look at what Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 says. It says, just as the Son of Man, this is referring to Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve. So, so if you want to know what Jesus' whole life was about, it wasn't about coming, and, and even though he had all the authority in heaven, and even though he was from God, he is a part of God, Jesus doesn't come and be like, hey, I'm here, everybody, serve me. He comes into the world to serve 
others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And one of the things that we discount sometimes is that serving will require some sacrifice. But it's what we see Jesus model. That he didn't come just to sit. He didn't come just to be served, but to serve. And so if you have a Bible, go with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. I'm going to spend really all of the rest of my time there. If you don't have a Bible, uh, it's going to be available on the screens behind me. We'd also love to place a Bible in your hands as a free gift thanks to the generosity of this church. So it says this, John chapter 13, verse 1. It says, it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So verse 4 says, he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began washing feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So Jesus, I think it's important for us to to understand what's going on. So Jesus is chilling. He's at dinner, right? It's the last meal he's going to eat. Ponder this later. What would be the last food you were going to eat? before you. That's a good question, and you should eat it tonight because it's the Super Bowl. So, so Jesus is about to have his last meal. He's about to go. The next chapters that follow this teach us that Jesus is about to go into the garden. In the garden, he's going he's gonna to pray to God, and he's basically going to say this, um, I don't want to do it. Like, like, yes, I know this is why I'm here. I know this is what I'm, I'm supposed to do. But God, if there's any other way for me, if there's any other way for the world to be saved without me having to experience the pain and the hurt and the suffering, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus is about to pray that, but before he gets there, he's at dinner. And as he's sitting at the dinner table with the disciples, this is the last opportunity that Jesus has to teach them some things when they're all together. Because every disciple is present at this dinner. And as they're sitting at the dinner table, Jesus sees all of these disciples. They're sitting there having some banter and some conversation. And Jesus is waiting for one of them to serve. Jesus is waiting because he spent the last three years with these men teaching them how to live, how to operate, how to function, how to do this thing called ministry, how to live like Christ himself. And as he's sitting there, he's realizing that they don't get it, that there's something they're missing. Because if they understood his mission and they understood his method, somebody would have already jumped up to wash feet by now. So as he's sitting at the table... He realizes all authority in heaven has been given to him. He has all the power in the world. Scripture says, he got up. Because what Jesus is going to do for you and I is model what serving actually looks like. If you're taking notes, the first thing is this. Serving requires us to get up. Jesus is sitting at the table. All authority in heaven has been given to him. 
Like he has the ability. If anybody deserves to sit and be served, it's Jesus. If anybody deserves to not have to move and stoop themselves to a lower position, it's Jesus. But here's what Jesus understood. The kingdom of God is not advanced by titles, but by towels. And so what Jesus knew is that the greatest thing you can do, you can sit at the head of the table as king all day. It doesn't make a difference. But getting up from your position and carrying a towel puts you in the position of a servant. And as a servant, you can make a difference. Serving requires us to get up. I I bet Jesus had plenty of excuses on why he would choose to sit down. He's earned it. He's worked hard for it. I mean, he is entitled to it. But the thing is, God's called us to be servants. And if there's anything, oftentimes when we, when we get into church, like, so we'll talk about serving and, and, and people will say, you know, man, it's not my season right now. I'm just incredibly busy. There's never a convenient time to live like Jesus. It just doesn't work. Because I'm telling you, I just said this in 9 a.m. Half y'all got six kids already. Y'all keep doing it and y'all make more kids. You ain't never going to have no more time. Y'all know what causes it, and you still, I mean, it is what it is. It ain't going to be a convenient time in your life to start serving. There's never a convenient time to live like Jesus. Because a life that follows Jesus is not a life marked by convenience. It's a life marked by sacrifice and service. Serving requires us to get up. I don't know why you're sitting down currently. I mean, like, you, you stay seated, right? <laughs> metaphorically, for the purpose of this illustration, I don't know what what your reason is for sitting, but I do know that if you want to really make a difference in your life, you're going to have to get up. That you're going to have to care more about a towel than you do a title. For some of you, you're business owners, and your expectation is that everybody under you serves. If you want people to serve, you model it. You pave the way in service. Stop expecting people to bring you coffee. You show up for coffee with it for everybody. Like, like God's called us to be servants. And that doesn't change based on your position of influence. I meet a whole lot of uh, young ministry leaders who want to be pastors or, or want to be, and, and, and what they really want is they, they want the title without the towel. And it doesn't work. You have to be a servant. You have to get up. You have to choose, even if you don't feel like it, to stand up in the morning and put on your towel and say, God has positioned me to serve. In whatever area he's placed you in, God has called all of us to be servants, and it requires us to get up. Turn to somebody and say, get up. The robe that Jesus wore was also an indicator of his position, and he, he took off his outer clothing in order to serve. I think for some of us, there's some things that we need to shed so that we can be positioned to serve. Because for a lot of us, we, we talk about, oh, I don't have, have time to serve. You have all the time you need to do everything God has called you to do. And anything that stands in your way of, being a, of you being able to serve is robbing you of your God-given purpose and destiny. It's time to take off that outer garment, whatever it is. God has called all of us to get up. And serve. It's interesting. I meet people from time to time that um, begin to get envious and jealous of how fast other people are growing in their walk of Christ. And you can stay sitting on the sidelines all you want, but getting in the game really is what makes a difference in your life. 
So God's called us to serve. I don't know if you're sitting, but you ought to get up. Every single follower of Jesus is called to be a servant. And not only that, here's the easy thing in church. It's really easy to just come in and sit and be like, oh, oh pastor, pastor preached a good word this week. And come on. Oh, Pat, Pat, Pastor did so well, you know. And, oh, oh, I just, I just came to get fed. I need to get fed this week. It, I don't feel like it's my responsibility to feed you. Okay, let me talk to you for a second. <laughs> There's two types of, of, of spiritual nourishment that we see in Scripture. We see milk and we see meat. Milk is something that's processed through one person and given to another. Right, moms, you, you know that because you have a baby, you process that milk, you deliver it to your infant, right? You can go, go read the scripture. It talks about infancy as a follower of Jesus. But meat is something you have to hunt and kill for yourself. And the problem with a lot of churches today is we've developed spiritually malnourished Christians because we just fed them meat on Sunday and we didn't teach them how to hunt and kill for themselves. So when you come in on a Sunday morning, you're probably going to get milk, and it's by design. Because my job is not to feed you. My job is to process God's word and deliver it to you. But if you get in a group and you'll let me, I'll help you learn how to hunt and kill for yourself. Serving requires us to get up. Let's keep reading. It says he came to, it says he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize it now or understand what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. I love, Peter, Peter has a good habit of opening his mouth when he shouldn't. That's why I relate with Peter. I relate with him so much. He says, no, you ain't gonna wash my feet. And Jesus said, hey, unless I wash you, you'll have no part with me. And he said, well, Lord, if that's the way it is, wash my feet and my hands and my head as well. He said, I'm all in, God. When Jesus answered, those who have had a bath only need water to wash, only need to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, and he returned to his place. When I was reading this passage of Scripture, I was, I was really just praying for you and kind of thinking, like, what are the things that kind of keep people from serving in the church, from serving God? And a lot of the things that keep us from serving are past hurts that we've had from other people. The second thing serving does is serving allows us to let go of offense. When Jesus is washing feet and he's got this position of servant, it says all the disciples were present. And he washed their feet. Judas is mentioned twice, and it never says that Judas is going to be the one who betrays Jesus. It doesn't say that, that Jesus was washing the feet, and he got to Judas and went, nah, ain't happening. I know what you're going to do in a couple days. You're, you're, going, you're, going, you're going to do, nah, ain't, ain't, wash, ain't serving you. It doesn't say that he gets to Peter, who's going to deny him, and says, hey man, if you get your walk with Christ right first, then, then I'll serve you. He doesn't get to the feet of Thomas the doubter and go, hey, if you just believed more, then I'll serve you. He carries the towel. Serving allows us to let go of offense because serving isn't based on the actions of another person, but the calling of God on your life and on my life. 
It doesn't matter if they hurt us. I'm called to serve. But what if they hurt us? Jesus told you they would hurt you. He said, brothers, by following me, I've faced troubles of many kind, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Isn't that natural? Lord, don't help. Please, Lord, don't let that be me. Jesus has called all of us to be servants. See, what, what we don't realize sometimes is, is we, we choose to sit because we've been hurt. And so we, we I'm going to talk to a couple of you real quick. So, so for some of you, you've been to five churches now, and every church you leave, you keep blaming. But the common denominator is you. So, like, you, you can keep blaming churches, but you'll leave here in three months and go to the next one. You got to deal with the issues that you got going on in your own heart. And what we don't realize sometimes is because of past hurt and past offense, we allow those hurtful circumstances and situations to keep us from our God-given purpose and destiny. God has made, shaped, and created every single one of us to be servants. It doesn't matter if people hurt us. It doesn't matter if we got mad. It doesn't matter if we don't like what's going on. God has called you to be a servant. And what we don't realize is when we allow offense to come into our life and to take root, it actually puts offense between us and our God-given destiny. You've let something so small and insignificant dictate the way you walk out your relationship with Christ. You had a conversation with people and it didn't go well. And let me just say this too. A lot of people get mad or they were hurt by their last church. Um, You've never been hurt by a church. You've been hurt by people. But but here's what happens. We'll, We'll blame the organization as a whole and we'll never deal with the hurt that we experience from an individual. If you attack the wrong source, you're never going to get the right result. So you can blame the church all day, but buildings don't hurt people. People hurt people. You need to deal with that pain. What serving allows you to do is get up and choose to put on the towel whether people deny you, whether people betray you, whether people like you. You're called to serve. And it allows you to break down those walls and those barriers that we so easily build up sometimes. And I want to apologize for those of you who have been hurt by people in the church. Man, Christians are horrible people sometimes. Like, they're just awful. Because they're people. (laughs) And people sometimes are awful. Sometimes I don't think people hurt us as much as they disappoint us. Because we expected more of them. But man, the same grace that you and I need, we have to extend to other people. I get it, man. People hurt other people. And, and I'm, not, I'm not for people who spiritually abuse others or twist and manipulate Scripture to force you to dictate. I don't need to be your Holy Spirit. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. I got enough stuff going on in my own life. But if you build walls, you'll end up keeping yourself from the very people that God wants to bring into your life and bless you with. So what a lot of us do when we get hurt is we put up boundaries. Oh, I'm going to put up a boundary. If you've ever installed anything into your life that kept you from being hurt again, it's not a boundary, it's a barrier. And it's not from God. When you experience hurt, when you experience pain, there's this one word in Scripture that we see over and over. It's called forgiveness. 
I'm not saying I'm not saying you don't deal with the pain or you minimize the pain of what happened. I'm saying you got to choose to let it go. Because unforgiveness is one of those things that you either kill or it kills you. Scripture's clear that we are forgiven to the measure in which we forgive others. Now, in some days, that's a whole lot better than others. <laughs> I'm grateful that my life doesn't end sometimes. <laughs> you got to deal with offense because it'll kill the purpose of God in your life. For some of you, maybe today is the day where you send a text message or make a phone call to forgive somebody who did you wrong. Well, but, but don't expect them to own it. Because forgiveness is not about them. It's about you. Forgiveness is forgiveness and serving. Serving is not about them. It's the position that God has called you and I to as his followers. Verse 13 of this passage of scripture says, Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I've set this example for you uh, so that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. But now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Turn to somebody and say if. Turn to the person you neglected and say if. So there's these things in Scripture called conditional promises. It, it's these if statements. So you, it doesn't just say, now that you know these things, you will be blessed. Because knowledge isn't blessing. Wisdom is blessing. And wisdom is knowledge applied. James says that we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers. So he says, look, you'll be blessed, but it's not just by knowledge. You can know that you're supposed to serve. You can know the right thing to do. The way you experience blessing is if you do them. If you put things into practice, if you choose to get out of your comfort zone, if you choose to take your next step, you will be blessed. That's a promise. I believe that God wants all of us to experience blessing, that he wants you and I to experience his goodness, his grace in our lives. I think you would even say, I want to be blessed. But the question is, are you willing to serve Christ and his church? Because that's where blessing comes from. Last thing is this, that serving transforms burdens into blessings. I don't think, I could be off. I don't think Jesus was pumped to wash the nasty feet of the disciples. When I think about washing other people's feet, a part of me dies inside. Because <laughs> y'all got some nasty toes. Right, like it... There's, there's, but do you know Jesus is washing Peter's feet? And he looks at him, he says, you don't know what I'm doing right now, but you will one day. And as Peter goes on to deny Jesus and the rooster crows, I bet Peter looks back and goes, man, he washed my feet knowing I'd deny him. There's a blessing in that. There's a blessing in that. People, people, when we uh, when we moved into this building out of out of portable into permanent, people would come up who who weren't serving. They'd be like, "Man, I bet you guys are so pumped, and I have to do set up and tear down anymore." But what you don't understand is what you saw as a burden was really a blessing. 
what, what you saw as something that was very taxing and very time-consuming was actually one of the greatest things. I'm so grateful for that season. And we're going back to that season with more locations because we need, we need people who are ready to serve. Because burdens are transformed into blessing when you and I choose to just pick up the towel. What, what you didn't see or may not have seen is that when people picked up a towel and they chose to show up at 6 a.m., I'm not a morning person. Anybody a morning person? We don't love you, right? <laughs> we will pray for you later. I need six shots of espresso before I talk to you in the morning, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I'm just not. Some, some of y'all morning people, I'm not a morning person, but you know what? When I started showing up at 6 a.m. and creating an environment where people could meet Jesus, that burden turned into a blessing really quick. When I started setting up pipe and drape and we had people setting up pipe and drape and we put speakers together and we put carts out, what, what people didn't realize and what they saw as an inconvenience was actually an incredible blessing. Yeah. When we, when we would, would put kids' environments in hallways and we would transform bathrooms to put, put these carts in so that there were mints and, and different kinds of soaps and lotion and all that stuff, like, like what people saw as a burden, like why would you do that, was the biggest blessing because what they didn't see was there was a mom who came in and went to that bathroom and thought, if they're going to put this much attention to their, their stuff in the restroom, then I know they're going to take care of my kids. So she went and sat in the worship experience, and she had the opportunity to focus on Jesus, and then she made a decision that changed her life, and what started out as a burden now became a blessing. All because we picked up a towel. This is First Peter 4, 10 through 11. It says, each of you have received a gift. That's you. <laughs> you all got something. There's a lot of things you're horrible at. There's some you're good at. Each of you has a gift. You've received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks as an oracle of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ. To him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God's design for your life and my life is to serve him and the church. And we believe that when we serve him and serve in his church, because it's obviously important to him. It's the thing he's coming back for. It matters. When we do that, we're going to position ourselves to make a difference eternally. And as we make a difference eternally, we're going to see more people meet Jesus. Scripture, uh, John chapter 4, Jesus is talking with the disciples. And the disciples uh, went to town to get Jesus some food. And, and he had this beautiful encounter with this woman uh, at the well, but, but after that, the disciples come back, and, and they ask Jesus if he wants some food. He says no, and then they go, well, did someone feed him? <laughs> and Jesus says, you don't understand. He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of the one who sent me. There's satisfaction and fulfillment on the other side of your yes to start serving. Because when you start doing the will of God, you begin to experience the purpose and the plan of God in your own life. And so we talked about serving. So, so for every person here, you're like, well, that's great, Pastor. Thanks so much for giving me that great word. And you look, you look amazing today. And, you know, right, whatever other encouraging things you would say. But 
but every single person, like we, we have this connect card and, and one of the things that it has on it is this get involved section. And so I don't know what your gifts are, but first Peter says, you've got some, and I don't know, you, you have to assess that. And if you don't know what your gifts are, and even if you do know what your gifts are, we would love for you to come to what we call Discover. It's this two-hour course that we've designed to really help you figure out how God uniquely wired and designed you. It's taking place this coming Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. right here. Child care is provided. dinners provided. It's, it's going to be awesome. I'm t- give me two hours. I think it'll change your life. Yeah. Two, two hours. So if you want to get involved, you can simply check that. But I would just encourage you. If you're sitting, get up, get up, get in the game, start serving, get plugged in, get connected, because you will find fulfillment. And as we continue to equip more people to, to serve, you know, I, I told you, like, we don't, really, we don't really need you to serve. We've got people who are serving. Why in the world do you want more people to serve? <laughs> because the greatest way... For you as an individual to make a difference is through serving, but the greatest way for our church to make a difference is through reproducing churches in small towns across North Carolina. So, like, if you're bought into one pastor, one location, that's, like, the model of church you love, like, I can recommend a bunch of them. And and I'm I'm great with that. I said this to somebody um, earlier today. That we are a church for all people, but our church isn't right for all people. And that's, I'd love to help you find the church that's perfect for you. But I want you to be aware of where we're heading. Because I feel so passionate about planting churches in small towns. I feel really passionate about planting churches in small towns because Tori and I are a part of church planting networks. And we, I had the opportunity to coach church planters all around the world. And nobody's chomping at the bit to launch a church in a small town. Yeah. When, when we tell them that we planted a church in, in a town that had 1,800 people, they were like, are you forgetting zeros? <laughs> because on the low end, they recommend 250,000 people in the area you launch a church in. On the low end. But here's what we know. There's places like Mount Pleasant. And there's places like Locust. And there's places like Midland and Richfield and Landis that need Jesus. And I feel like we're in that position kind of like Isaiah where it's like, hey, Lord, send me, I'll go. Like, hey, whatever you want to do, whatever. This is, so we're, we're talking as a leadership team now about what it would look like to send 100 people to Locust to start another location. Like, we're having the conversations now. So you're like, well, why, why do we keep, why, why are we growing it? Why, we're growing this so that we can send out. It's not so that we can be the mega church in Mount Pleasant, which truthfully only requires 200 people. So you win. <laughs> you know, like, that's not, that's not, that's not the goal. That's not the goal. If you're bought into to me being the only communicator and you're like, oh, pastor, I just love hearing you teach. I hope you like YouTube. Because I'm just telling you, I don't, my, my calling and passion is to raise up communicators and other people who know how to preach God's word. You need to hear from more people because you need to hear the unique expression of God through somebody else. And so like last year, I taught like 48 Sundays. You're gonna, I'm teaching like 32 this year. And the whole reason is we're raising up communicators in this house 
Because when we go to another location, it's, it's not going to be the video screen where I'm on the screen. I'm not saying that model's wrong. I think it has a purpose. But here's what I am saying. Our heart's to equip leaders. And so that's what we're going to keep doing. And we're going to keep equipping people and we're going to keep getting them ready. Because I know there's people in Locust that need Jesus. And there's people in Landis that need Jesus. And there's people in all of these small towns. And the good news of the gospel is not, hey, hey, we're building a great church and it's incredible. You probably love our coffee and our pastor's handsome. The, the good news of the gospel is we go to where people are. We don't tell them to come to us. Oh, you're in Locust? I don't need you to drive 20 minutes to church. I want to plant a church in your area so that we can help more people meet Jesus. Because I'm not going to spend my life chasing a dollar when I was made to make a difference. So I don't know if that's you. For some of you, I believe when we start talking about another location, and, and, and for some of you, that like freaked you out. You were like, oh, no, how are we going to do that? And then others, because others of you are like, yeah, that's me. I'm ready. Well, here's what happens. How do we get ready? Churches don't plant themselves. We all just start carrying a towel. We all just start doing our part. And then as you begin to serve, God will begin to grow. Because he entrusts seeds to those who sow. Psalm 92, 13, I'm, I'm going to close with this. says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. I believe there are a lot of people who go to church and are potted but not planted. And until you sink your roots in, you will never flourish. So with every head bowed, every eye closed in the room, for some of you, you need to take that next step today. And you need to begin serving. You need to just make that decision right now that it, with what you have going on in your life, the next step for you is to begin to make a difference. So you need to take that next step and indicate that on your connect card. But there's some of you in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And what you need to know is that God loved you so much that he was willing to serve you in the form of death. That he was willing to lay down his life so that you could have life everlasting. And as Jesus would carry the cross was carrying his towel, not his title. And on the cross, he dies for you and he dies for me so that you could experience freedom, purpose, and abundant life in him. And if you're in here and you'd say, hey, pastor, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but today I want to begin one. Would you just lift your hand for a moment and say, that's me. I see those. See those. Here's what we're going to do. Nobody prays alone, church. We all pray together. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.